0: Hello and welcome to Threadbare, the Fountaining podcast. I'm your host, GK Rao. In this edition, we take a look at what might be done to avoid the kind of devastation caused by cyclone midjong in Chennai and other places recently. We probably have to look at our basic idea of what makes a city and explore ways to make it robust to cope with the worst possible scenario in a time of increasing Environmental stress. As climate change picks up pace, the world will have to come to grips with increasing instances of climatic extremes in terms of prolonged heat waves, excessive rain events, stronger tornadoes, hurricanes, cyclones, and so forth. What Midjaw did in Chennai and along the Tamil Nadu and Andhra Pradesh coasts was cause massive amounts of rain. That soaked the entire region along which it passed. When it made landfall, the devastation was visited upon the interior of Andhra Pradesh and Odisha. For people in Chennai, it was a reminder of 2015, though not as bad. Still, every crevice, hollow, and low lying area was inundated, water everywhere the eye could see. Entire developments comprising hundreds of apartments and thousands of people were marooned, especially along. And on the Padlikarne marshlands in the city's south. It's also the city's IT hub. But it didn't stop there as many parts of Chennai are built on filled in lake beds, including commercial hotspots. Now this is not an isolated event. There are parts of this city that could be called perennial water traps even during a normal monsoon downpour. Leave alone a cyclonic storm. Draining these areas is an uphill task. As they once formed part of the city's natural drainage. Draining these areas is an uphill task as they once formed part of the city's natural drainage. Back in the day this is where the excess water collected during the monsoon, eventually sinking into the ground and recharging the water table. Our city fathers at some point decided it was not necessary to respect the contour line. They could build anywhere they felt like as technology was on their side. But they have not been able to solve the problems of drainage despite decades of work and sinking hundreds of crores down the drain, literally. This problem is not unique to Chennai. Hundreds of cities across the country suffer from the same defect of thoughtless planning and institutional stupidity. Bengal is the nearest metro with a similar problem. Its hundreds of lakes have mostly been filled in and there are problems with flooding every monsoon. The only reason it has not been totally catastrophic is that it is far from the coast and rainfall is relatively low at 96 centimeters or 38 inches. But that could change with planetary heating and a countrywide rise in extreme events. There is one possible solution, showing respect for the contour line. What does that mean? It means no filling in lake beds, dry or otherwise, for construction. The practice of building in low-lying areas is not only stopped, but forbidden. What we simply do is build around lakes and other water bodies. We also make use of the lake's resource, water, landscape, whatever. We stop reclaiming land from sea or river or tank. Building is restricted to higher ground, the point beyond the highest line. There is more to that, but this is the starting point, the admission that it is better to let nature have this round. In the longer run, it may be less expensive than building miles and miles of drains and canals and maintaining them at extra cost. Engineering of this kind is in any case a bit of a Sisyphean task, as it involves the same kind of repair again and again. It's a new way of looking at city development, an approach that integrates everything not just residential commercial and industrial zones but also all amenities such as sewerage power waste disposal wastewater treatment and management all the tasks that an urban body is expected to perform in short given available technology it is certainly feasible though a change of attitude will be required we also need to imagine a city differently from what we do now a lake or water body of sufficient size has a community of about 25,000 around it, for example. It is self-contained. Most amenities are available on site. A small sewage treatment plant takes care of the daily waste produced by the township. The grey water, cleaned to about 99%, would be pumped back into the lake or used for jobs such as watering plants, hosing driveways, washing cars. All the tasks that require industrial quantities of water. Power to perform these tasks would come from renewable sources, whether wind, solar or biogas, which would be generated from a combination of treated waste, kitchen and other garden scraps. This power would also be used to light up the community. The size of the power source can be scaled up or down. Excess power could even be fed into the grid. Drinking water would be provided by the lake, purified to the required standards. There are a number of ways to achieve such a standard, not just chlorination, which leaves a metallic aftertaste. There is an understandable aesthetic revulsion to the idea of such water being ingested or used for bathing or washing clothes. But it should be pointed out that all water from sea, river, lake or tank is similarly polluted. It has to be treated before safe use. Only rainwater can be drunk without treatment, without harm. Of course, for those still unconvinced, there is a more exotic source: pulling water straight from the air. The device is called atmospheric water generator and it comes in various sizes. From home handy 20 to 50 litres a day machines to 5,000 litres a day capacity. They can all be run on renewable or conventional energy. Chennai with its high relative humidity is probably ideal, but it can even harvest water from 20% air. The point is that there is more than one option, be it building materials, style, space, or anything else. We don't have to lock ourselves into just the one model. But the one thing that such an urban model emphasizes is the importance of recognizing limits, lateral or vertical. The size should not exceed the capacity to provide municipal services such as clean water and waste disposal. Respect the contour line thus has a second meaning. It implies that a community should not expand beyond a certain optimum size that defeats the central purpose of recycling and upcycling. Power from waste is upcycling, for instance, but in the context of a single water body, it works only if the size of the community is limited. There is another advantage to creating such communities. It could serve as a model for urban devolution and renewal. Urgently needed around megacities such as Mumbai, Chennai, Delhi, etc., all of which are choking under the burden of pollution and overcrowding. Smaller, self-contained communities conceived on the contour line thesis could be one answer to the congestion that's inevitable in big cities. This model would also use available natural resources to provide a measure of equity in the distribution of civic communities. It could help to turn large villages into small towns with better infrastructure and act as a first step in slowing the migration to large cities in search of jobs and a better life. The Tamil Nadu government has apparently recognized this need in its announcement of more tidal parks in a dozen districts across the state. It's an attempt to arrest the unending urban influx that's placing intolerable burdens on the cities. Providing a means of livelihood nearer home will not only ensure a more even spread of amenities such as 24-hour power, running water, internet connectivity, and other development inputs, it will eventually make it unnecessary to move to the big city. It then becomes a choice, a luxury few of us have these days. If it works, the concept could have far-reaching effects on the evolution of cities, decentralizing political power and making it easy for ordinary people to make their voices heard. Civic empowerment and citizen empowerment Go together. At this stage, it is important not to overstate the case for a unified model of urban renewal. The thing going for it most of all is that it will probably simplify the twin tasks of urban administration and maintenance. One example is that of waste disposal. Any large city has miles and miles of underground sewers to carry sewage and excess storm water. The Chennai Metropolitan Water Supply and Sewerage Board has 4093 kilometers of sewers to maintain. Not all of the city is connected to the sewer lines. So when that is done, the length will be closer to 5000 kilometers. The larger the city, the greater and more complicated this infrastructure and the greater the burden of maintenance. In Chennai, the system has been broken for decades. So, untreated sewage is released straight into the Kuom and Adyar rivers. Both flow through the heart of the city. That is why they are among the country's filthiest rivers. Poisoned arteries that constitute a serious risk to public health. In Chennai, the system has been broken for decades. So, untreated sewage is released straight into the Kuom and Adyar rivers. Both flow through the heart of the city. That is why they are among the country's filthiest rivers rivers. Poisoned arteries that constitute a serious risk to public health. As Mikzong inundated the city, parts of the sewage system broke down, releasing water mixed with sewage in the streets. In a system such as the one we are talking about, that is less likely. Even if it does happen, the damage will be limited and the repair quicker. But this is not the only reason for trying out a contour line thesis. Urban Renewal is an overdue task and we need as many new ideas as possible. Not all of them will work, but we'll never know until we try.